Farmers, farriers, runners, rowers, weekend gardeners with loud leaf blowers. It's sometimes hard to hear. It's David Mucker, and I'd like to talk about turnips. You mentioned it earlier on the show. Where are you, Dave? Skipton, Victoria. Uh-huh, right, yeah, go for it. It's a wonderful little vegetable, and you can you can puree them, use them in casseroles, finely chop them with red onions, you know, herbs. They're wonderful for soups because they're thickening the soup out. <laughs> and they can be used in the summer, you know, hour and winter. They've got a very nice nature. <laughs> now, you're, you're Scottish somewhere along the line, David? I was born in Scotland, but I, I came to Australia when I was 20, and I, I love it still. We even ate them raw, you know, with salt and pepper on them. Wow. And they're obviously very good for you, Dave. Well, yes, uh, they've got some enzyme in them that rips through all your tubes and uh, in, in the cleanses. It's a, that's what a real... we want, something that rips through our tubes. I mean, <laughs> that's what we want. Everybody in the out-of-control room is nodding, Dave. <laughs> it fits in with your show, Mac. It's a, it's, it's a great show and it rips through all of us, people that love the culture. <laughs> On your trip. In Turak, T.I., Tumbarumba, at the Lodge and Yarralumla. They might be listening to Macca on a Sunday morning. Could be, could be. My week starts with Macca on a Sunday morning. Oh, I love it, I love it. Good morning and welcome to the program. That was Dave. I just, it was the call of the year, really, <laughs> with his turnips. And I found a turnip the other day because you don't use, see, I thought um, a parsnip was a turnip. Um, but no, it's not. It's completely different. It's a different beast. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the studio, uh, if you've just got up, you've missed Kieran. Well, he's here. He's Kieran Kelly's been here, um, and he's about to. Well, he's he's about to go walking down in Tassie, and he's going to um, America to do a walk on the John Muir work. Is that John the Muir trail. sorry? Oh, sorry, I haven't turned his mic on. The John Muir Trail. John Muir Trail. Yeah. Yeah, and he's had um, uh, pneumonia. That's right. And getting over, recovering. And, um, yeah, you're going to Launceston to do... The Frenchman's Cap Walk. Yeah. Sitting beside him is Mark Campbell. Mark sent me an email during the week about a number of things. Uh, I'll read the first um, par of Mark's uh, uh, email. We had a late but wonderful night on Saturday watching the closing ceremony of the Invictus Games and the weather on Sunday morning was terrible, so no rowing. But it's great to hear you're doing an OB from the War Memorial on Remembrance Day. The memorial is such a beautiful place. We've had a couple of memorable experiences there, including last year when I took my Year 10 boys crew there one hot afternoon during January rowing camp. Literally a spur-of-the-moment decision, telling them it was a great place they needed to see, with me having no idea how the day is laid out, only to arrive just in time for the afternoon service, including the last post on the bugle and the flowers of the forest on the pipes. They were amazed, pretty sure they had been thinking it was another of Mark's crazy adventures when I dragged them onto the bus. It's a very special service, wonderful and almost unbelievable that it's done every day. It's a bit like Men and Gate, isn't it, really? Bucket list destinations in exotic places are great, but the last post service at the War Memorial is one that should had should all add to um, right here in our own country, and it's free. As I write this note, I can literally feel and see the entire service. Mark Campbell, good morning. Morning, Maka. How yeah. are you, mate? I'm great. I just that- got emotional listening to that kid. <laughs> Jeez, that's an amazing service, that thing. Yeah, have you, have you seen that, Kieran? Have you been? No. no. Mm. See, uh, when I was down there last time, I spoke to Brendan Nelson. Um, this is, oh, I don't know, might have been earlier this year or whatever. He said it's the most visited place in Australia. It's the number one tourist destination. Mm. Yeah. For 
for not just tourists, just Australians like Mark and me and whoever. Everybody yeah. goes to the Warmore because yeah. it's just, just a magnet. Just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was a funny afternoon. I just, I don't know why we went. I just decided I needed to go and we arrived and the boys, and, and you needed starting. to take the boys. And I yeah. take the boys. They had to come with me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> they just loved it. <laughs> uh, on that note, he says, thought you might like the initiative below from the National Piping Centre in Glasgow, which we only heard about three weeks back from our great mate James Bruce, a sensational piper and unofficial pipe major of the very loose collection known as the 74, 74 Highlanders. Highlanders. Apparently, the armistice was signed at 6am and came into effect at 11am when we traditionally hold the one-minute silence. To commemorate the centenary of the signing, the College of Piping has organised the pipers all over the world to play the Battle's Oar, a traditional 6-8 retreat, at 6am local time. The pipers urged to do it whenever they are, uh, perhaps as an organised ceremony, but more likely as a simple commemorative tribute which will roll around the world. So if you're in your suburb next Sunday morning and some, some <laughs> weird person like Mark Hamill is wandering down the street playing the bagpipes, don't stone him. As, <laughs> Just... <laughs> as you normally would be entitled to do. Or it might be a her. <laughs> when my mum had her 80th, um, we, uh, Lee Kelly here, my producer, hired um, a bagpiper and came and she played in the garden. My mother started, who used to dance. And if she, uh, by the time she was 80, she had dementia. But um, as soon as she heard the bagpipe, she started doing dance. a little jigging around yep. and it just took her back all those years when she used to travel around and dance and dance, Highland dance. She's got all these medals and and stuff all over the world. And I've still got a bagpipes, actually. <laughs> but you, have you really? That's wow. Yeah, yeah, they're in a lovely little Globite case. Remember Globite case? I was going to talk about that because I was, went to a, a little niece goes to this little school now and... All the kids, and this is like year one, kindergarten one, two, and three, and they all wear these backpacks. And the kids are about this high, and they're fair income. They are little kids. <laughs> and they've got these huge, it's almost like, you know, you'd report it to welfare. They've got these huge little backpacks on. And I remember at school, we had a globot with case. Yeah, but we always ended up lopsided, didn't no, we? No, we didn't. Yes, no. we did. We did, because one shoulder would be dragging on the ground. But I think they've proven the... that's not actually the case now, but it doesn't matter. The globot case was a ripper. And, uh, yeah, They're and you can sit on the, yeah. you can sit on your case and next station, yeah. wait for the train, you slid along and hit yep. somebody in the back of the legs, then you just sat in your Well, your sandwiches and... didn't get squashed in a globot case. Exactly. I would, I would think they would And now these back. kids get on the bus and they've got these and they turn around and bang, they knock some old woman over and they turn around and bang and they I don't know. If I was a kid, I suppose I'd have to join the queue and wear them, but I just, I don't know. I'm glad I had a Globite. Oh, great. I rode with a guy called Graham Jones who got a road scholarship, and he used to bring his Globite little primary school bag to rowing every day. Yeah. And his gear in there. And, and they his, do. You're right, Kieran. Right. They protect things. They're, yeah, they're yeah. tough and rugged, aren't they? Yeah, they keep the rain out. Yeah. There you go. Now, I was going to ask you something else. So this, this um, the Battle's Oar. Battle's Oar and Battle of the Somme. We're probably going to do it at the How same would time. we get a – we should have a bagpiper at uh, the War Memorial on Sunday, shouldn't we? Oh, I think – look, if people wanted to – there are some fantastic pipers, I have to say, who do that In, ceremony every day. So maybe you could ask. And if well, not, exactly. you could get desperate and maybe someone from the 74 Highlanders or – Make the trip. I'll... Are you going to tell us why bagpipes skirl? What the skirl I, I of the pipes? I think it's the drone. I think it's the drone. And the other, the other thing, I, the other theory is I it have, a Scottish word. Is, I'm sure it's a Scottish word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think uh, the structure of a bagpipe reed is very similar to a baby's larynx, and I think that's why you get a um, 
uh, an emotional response because you are genetically programmed to respond <laughs> this, to a no, crying this baby. Been, this is Mark Campbell's theory, of course. Yeah, not, yeah, the same not, as Mark's crazy adventures to go to the war memorial. Right? This is not, this, the science is not settled on this, is it? The science no. is not settled, but if you look at the structure and what it looks like, well, I, when I intubate a, a cat, is about the same size as a baby's larynx, right? So, and I, and the, they are I, basically identical. Other. Okay, yeah. so when yeah. I put a tube in a cat, to when, I, when the anesthetise it, if that makes sense. But, right. Yeah. And so I think there's a tone there, and I've spoken to people about this, not just crazy people like me, and they actually think it might be real. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I, you do respond. You, you hear them, and I can hear that guy playing the, the flowers of the forest in the, in the uh, War Memorial as we speak, and you, do, you cannot not have a, uh, a, a, an emotional response, I reckon. Mm. Mm. I, I think you're right. Even yeah, you? they are, it is an emotional instrument. Mm. Oh, it is, it's, uh, and that's, yeah. that was the whole thing about uh, what was the, the um, Gibbs, Mel Gibson film, well, you know, what was that Braveheart. called? Braveheart. Yeah. Braveheart. Well, yeah. that was... Yeah. Back yeah. Andy's, <laughs> Andy Stewart <laughs> singing a Scottish soldier. Yeah, yeah. But, but the Braveheart, yeah. that was the whole focus of that film, really, the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the, pipe. the pipes, wasn't it? Yeah. It was all about the pipes and yeah. the thing. Well, that's, and that's part of the doing the Battle of Somme and uh, Battle of Zor thing is that um, there was a lot of pipers killed because they still used them in World War One, the same as they'd used forever to, you know, get... And they stood in front. They got out they of the stood trench in front first and, got and shot they first. marched across <laughs> and they didn't have a rifle, they just sort of bagpipe. G'day, this is Macca. Um, yeah, this is Uncle Wombat. Uh, we're just on the road with Macca. We're heading to work and uh, the fruit harvest is starting today. Oh, is it really? What, peaches and stuff? Nectarines. Oh, nectarines. Isn't it lovely? Are they all right? Can you eat a few? Are they were a, bit, a bit green now or what? No, 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 no. These are ready. If we don't pick them now, they'll be too ripe. So pick uh, them and they'll be off to market in two days. They'll be in the uh, in, in Coles and Woolworths and heading overseas. Prince of Fruit, my grandpa used to call the nectarin the Prince of Fruit. I don't know why he said that, but I'm, I'm inclined to agree with him. Yeah, well, the ones we're picking today, ones of white flesh variety, that's yellow on the white flesh, they're so sweet that it's like eating a lolly. Yes, I know. <laughs> so, Wombat, where are you Where are you picking? Uh, we're at a little, there's no town or nothing here, but Stony Crossing is where the actual orchard is on the Murray River. And you've been doing this for quite a while, uh, Wombat, haven't you? Yeah, I've rang you up before, Megger. Yeah, there you go. I'd love to be out there with you. you know, we should. How many people picking? Uh, we get up to about 70, but we're just starting the season this morning, so we'll have six tractors. There's four people on each tractor, so what's that, 24. So, yeah, and a lot of, them go, a lot of the fruit goes overseas? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, we, a lot goes here to the markets and the other goes overseas. There you go. Oh, where does the good fruit go? That's what we want to know, Wombat. Where does the good fruit go? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see where some of the bad stuff goes because I hate to see it dropped on the ground. I'd like to see it go somewhere else. Yes, of course. And and where are your pickers come from? Uh, ones we got here, a lot of Af- Afghanis and some from Malaysia. There you but go. It's all changed. I've been doing this for over 30 years, and 30 years ago you used to get the backpack to come and do it. What happens now is you have a contractor that comes into the place and says, I can supply you with pickers, how many do you need? And of course, those, those people, the guy that's doing it's Afghani, so he has a lot of people from Afghan and that sort of places. So. so, And what, they're just here and they do they live here or they just come and pick and then they go home or they're on a visa or something? What's the story? Some are, some are on visas. Some have been here for um, for years. They live here now, you know. They've been yeah. living here. We've had people coming here, been doing this for 10, 15 years. Uh-huh. There you go. So, Wami, what's it like out there this morning? You've been, it's been dry, hasn't it, around Swan Hill? 
Oh, look at it's so dry around here, mate. <laughs> Nobody's dropped the match. The sun's about to come up over the horizon. It's a real beautiful looking day. Pink clouds. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been really dry, and the, the, the sides of the roads, the grass is that high and so dry. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. So, what does that do? Because it's been dry for all, all year, really, around Swan Hill, because a bloke. Uh, Norm rang me last week or the week before and said it's been dry, you know, around Swan Hill most of the year. What does that do to the fruit? Uh, no, the, the, the fruit, because we irrigate it. Uh, oh, I see, yeah, you're irrigated. Uh, it's all, yeah, it's all done by drip irrigation. So the old days they used to flood irrigate. Yeah. But there's so much of flood irrigation was bringing too much salt to the surface and fruit trees don't like salt, so they've had to learn to do it a better way and this uses much less water and uh, the trees thrive. So, no, there's no problem there. The biggest problem you have with fruit trees is getting enough chill hours in. So they'll actually grow the fruit like they'll set flowers and if you haven't got enough chill hours, they'll, they'll actually set a little bit of fruit then it'll just fall off. You mean so, chill hours, you mean cold, cold weather? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So through the winter, that's your, your main thing. You've got to get enough chill hours. Mm. So, Wami, how, how long uh, will you pick for? How long does this go for now? Uh, we'll go through, hang on, I've got another macker here. We go through about March, don't we? Yeah, about March we go through here. But over in Shepparton, where originally learnt the trade, they'll go right through till April, May. They do apples and everything over there. But we're just stone fruit here. Yeah, there you go. So um, uh, so you'll do peaches, nectarines and uh, any apricots? Apricots, plums, peaches, yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, Wommy. All right, mate. It's, it's not a bad life. What we've done this, I've been doing this for 30 years. We travelled Australia, the wife and I, for seven years doing this. And uh, we listened to you everywhere we went, and it just gave you that feeling of home. It really did. No, it really does. You've got no idea. And there's so many people doing it, and you go through the orchard anywhere, and you'll hear Macca playing Sunday morning, no matter where you are in Australia. Don't put the pressure on me, the pressure, Wommy. Don't put the pressure on me. Come on. No, that's true. <laughs> Well, oh, mate, you have a good day. We better go. We got to get some tractors going here and get it ready for these stickers when they come in. All right, I'll see you before the end of the year. I'm going to come down and see you, Wommy. But I'm done asking. Yeah, you to... come down. I'll you j- come down to Lake Boga. That's where I lived, but I wasn't there. I was. <laughs> I was working. That's right. It was, and Lake Boga was dry. I think when I came down. Is it, uh... Yeah, it was too. Oh, but... It's beautiful now, mate. It's all water in there. Promising they're going to keep the water in there for us. So uh, it's all looking good. Yeah, I met a lady down there, and she was walking around the she was walking around the lake. She was doing exercise. She went. She said, "I go for a walk around the lake every morning because there's no water in it." There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, we we actually take we've got six dingoes, and we take them for a walk over the lake, and that opens some eyes. I can tell you. I'll bet. <laughs> good on you, wombat. All right, Mac. Have a good day, mate. See you soon. See you, buddy. Bye. Mark's in Launceston. Morning, Mark. G'day, Macca. Top of the morning to you. Yeah, you too. It's a magnificent day down here in Launceston today. Wind's coming in from the northwest, a little bit, a little bit blowy, a bit overcast, but uh, yeah, driving down the Midland Highway, heading towards Campbelltown and looking out over paddocks full of very happy merino sheep. <laughs> yeah, you sure they're smiling? <laughs> they, they wouldn't be doing anything else, mate. Yeah. It's, uh, weather like this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's stunning. There's plenty of seed for them. And, uh, yeah, I'm heading down to drop some, uh, a new Merino cycling jersey off to a mate of mine who makes some of the finest Merino wool in Tassie. Really? Tell me. Yep, yep. Uh, so Simon's got uh, 20,000 head of sheep. And, uh, yeah, he just uh, is working with uh, manufacturers of 
apparel all over the world, uh, sending the Merino fleece off to them to make their fine suits in Italy. And uh, we managed to get a little bit of that Merino wool ourselves to uh, start making some road cycling uh, jerseys and, and bibs and nicks down here in Tasmania. So so you make you make them, let me get this straight, you get the wool and, and you manufacture it into, spin it into yarn and make stuff out of it, is that right? No, the um, all the spinning and that uh, that the uh, processing part of the uh, to get to the stage that we need for the cycling jerseys has to be done overseas. Unfortunately, yeah, that processing uh, happens in Vietnam and China. Uh, we get the fleece back here, the, the fabric, and uh, that's been gets dyed, and uh, we then take that fabric and turn it into some top quality cycling kit. Uh-huh. And this is what, to keep them warm or to absorb the sweat? All sorts of things, I suppose. Yeah, it does both of those uh, both of those jobs. And one of the things that a lot of cyclists like about Merino is that you can go for a ride and you get back at the end of it and you don't stink those plasticky jerseys that uh, you see everyone getting around in with all the colourful logos stamped <laughs> all over it. You sit down in a coffee shop at the end of your ride and there's not too many people come and sit near you because uh, you're a bit high on the on the pong. Oh, is that the, is that the reason? I thought I, I thought there was other reasons that that people. Oh no, um, you mean the, the the lycra gear? I mean that's that's what that's what you ride a bike for to go get up done up togged up in your lycra, isn't it? Oh, not if you're a, not if you're a fan of merino, maker. No, so men in merino have replaced the mammal. I see. That's my dream. Yeah, get, get everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So, um, and you make the so you make these in here in Australia. Yeah, we do. There's uh, one clothing manufacturer left in Tasmania. It's called Tasmanian Clothing Company, and there it's Brayton, uh, and they do some really good quality work. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're managing to hang on down here to still make a little bit of uh, top quality clothing. So. Um, it's uh, it's fantastic to have a relationship with those guys. They employ about twenty local people up there, and it's been very good for us as a new business being able to head up the road from Launceston and and go and have a chat with them and catch up and chew the fat about what we want with our products and and how we'd like to see it designed. Well, hopefully you'll you'll have the Australian Olympic cycling team wearing these uh, jerseys. I think that'd be another great thing, wouldn't it? Well, we're probably not uh, in the high-performance, super aerodynamic, Olympic uh, kind of uh, market, Macca. We're probably looking for guys that are uh, interested in being comfortable. They might be... Um, and not stinky. They might not, not, yeah, that's right. They might not have the bodies of the, the 20-year-old uh, cyclists from the Olympics, but, uh, yeah, they, they want to be they want to be comfortable. They want to have some good-fitting kit and... Uh, and where does your mate have his 20,000 sheep? Where are they? In Tassie? Uh, or? He's in Campbelltown, yeah. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, heading down there to drop a, a new jersey off for him because, uh, yeah, we've only just got the products have sort of rolled off the line and he's been a great help to us. So, um, yeah, he'll uh, hopefully be getting himself around in a bit of his own, uh, his own products coming back isn't the other it, way. Well, isn't that nice? What's his name? Simon Foster. All right. Good on you, Mark. Thanks for your call, mate, and keep up Thanks. the good work and good luck. Yeah, if anyone's looking for us, it's Breathe Velo is the name of the company, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to get some more of these cycling in Merino. All right, mate. Good on you.
Thanks, Maggot. See, See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Welcome, Meredith, in Canberra. Good morning, Meredith. Oh, good morning, Maka. Um, beautiful morning here in Canberra. The sun is shining. It's going to warm up to uh, quite a lovely day. Mm. Um, I was ringing you to tell you about the poppies at the War Memorial. I, I, I'm one of the people from the 5,000 Poppies Movement, and uh, I went in this morning to watch the sunrise over the, the 62,000 poppies that we have planted there at the War Memorial. 62,000? There's 62,000, one for every Australian who fell during the First World War. Um, And who's who's, who's knitted those? Are they knitting uh, poppies? Around 60,000 volunteers from mostly around Australia, but also around the world. They're knitted and crocheted, and some are felted. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? It, it's a, a very moving installation. And we'll, yeah. we'll see that when we go down next You will. Week, you will. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, I, I um, ended up staying two hours because, unfortunately, a mob of kangaroos came through last <laughs> night. And uh, I, I counted about 65 stems snapped. So I had to go through with my special planting tool and try to uh, replant them a bit shorter than they had been. What, the kangaroos were eating the poppies? No, no. They just hopped through. They wanted to go and eat the grass. Oh, I see. Wow. Dear, oh dear. So there you go. So you've had to do a reinstallation, Meredith. Yes, a bit of maintenance. Uh-huh. Check and chat, we call it. <laughs> and, and, and I did end up chatting quite a bit as uh, well as checking. Yeah, well, isn't that lovely? That'll be a sight to see. Yes. Yes. There, there are poppies there that are very, very faded, mm-hmm. and um, they're the veterans. They've been with us since the, the campaign started back in um, late 2013. Um, they've they've been at the Shrine in Melbourne. They were at uh, Federation Square for the Anzac Centenary in April of um, 2015. They went to London to the Chelsea Flower Show in May 2016, across to Fromel for the centenary commemorations of that battle in July of 2016, and they've been at other installations in Victoria, uh, including the Shrine for Anzac Day this year. So they're looking very weary and, and worn like the original Anzacs must have been by the time the war came to an end. I can't, I can't believe the, you know, some of them um, went off in 1914 and didn't get back till 1919. I can't believe it. Like, Yeah, well, they were the lucky ones. Yeah, the ones that came back, I know. Yes. So I'll be look forward to seeing that, Meredith. 62,000 poppies, eh? Yes. What if kangaroos come through next Sunday morning? What will I do? Oh, chase them away, please. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the, the, the big old man kangaroo. You've got to stand real still if he comes along. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a bagpiper there, so that'll probably deal with the kangaroos. They'll, Let's hope They'll so, say, yes. don't go near the war memorial, kids. Let's... Yes. <laughs> uh, Meredith, what's your what's your story? You What have you had? You've been organising all this, have you? Uh, well... Not really, no. I'm I'm just a, a, a cog in the wheel. Um, Lynn and Margaret from Melbourne are the, the wonderful ladies who started the 5,000 Poppies movement. Um, I'm one of the leaders of the group here in Canberra uh, that, that started up in about August of last year when the installation at the War Memorial was first announced. And we've been meeting... Um, fortnightly at first and then weekly as it got closer at Poppy's Cafe at the War Memorial uh-huh. to make poppies, to make the stems, to sew the poppies onto the stems, count them into bunches, all of the things that need to be done. And now we've got a little roster going of the Canberra women who, who <laughs> pop in every day to check. That's great. That's great because without that... We ought to talk to Lynn and Margaret too, couldn't shouldn't we, Kel? We, should we you, you should. You should indeed, yes. Right. yes. Meredith, good on you and lovely to talk to you. 
Uh, my pleasure. Uh, are you coming Hope next? Oh, yes, I'll be there. I'll be there. Bringing my 84-year-old mother, who's also been making poppies and, and planting them and checking and chatting. Um, she's coming to the, the ceremony at 11 o'clock, so we'll be getting there early to make sure we get a, a car park. All right. And yeah, uh, we might pop over and see you. That'd be good. Lovely to see you. Good on you, Meredith. Okay. Bye. 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 Good morning, Macca. It's Father Matthew calling, um, actually on the way out to Longreach uh, to... Uh, do a bit of drought relief with Bishop Michael McCarthy. Uh-huh, tell me. Yeah, so I'm just sitting on the, road, the side of the road here. We've, we've left um, Rockhampton here this morning and uh, heading west, I'm meeting Bishop McCarthy uh, in Barcall and then we, uh, we're catching up with some people in Longreach and um, they're putting some packages, put some packages together to... Uh, we're heading out to um, the race that'll stop the nation, but it'll also stop the people of Baduri, and uh, we're going to be out of Baduri there for the races on um, Tuesday. It stops a lot of us. It's a, it's again, it's a, I usually say um, Anzac Day is National Day, as well as Australia Day, but no, it's really Melbourne Cup Day, isn't it? It's the first Tuesday in November. That's the day that stops the nation, yeah. Yes, and it'll it'll stop the little town, and we, and we've got some packages, and um, there's some so, so many generous people that have um, given to our drought appeal here again in, in the Rockhampton diocese, and uh, just what are going going out there to support the people out there, and and um, taking a meeting up with Bishop McCarthy there in Longreach, and uh, just want to also shout out to a, a a lovely lady in Longreach who've been part of the drought appeal out there for uh, for many years, and they've um, Mary Bell. And uh, she's been looking after people and sort of sending packages out to farmers and, and to, to schools and to communities. And um, there are just so many people supporting the people out in the west and the, and the drought areas. It's just been so prolonged. And, and um, so we're just heading out there to, uh, to stop with them for a little while and, and uh, just say that there's a lot of people thinking of them and supporting them. Father, give us a perspective of uh, the drought. You've been... Uh Looking at it now for months and months, um, how's everything going? People are fairly resilient, aren't they? But uh, they need a lot of support. Yeah, they do. In, in our in our diocese here, it's it's uh, goes from the coast uh, all the way out to Baduri, and rain's been patchy, uh, but there's been no general rain. Um, but some people have had had some had some storms here and there. But I was out in the west uh, and I had had a few different appointments in the last few years, but. It's been six, nearly seven years since um, I was posted out in Longreach and in that area, and they still haven't had proper general rain out there in all of that time. Um, but the people are, are, are very resilient, but it's, uh, it is hard for them, and uh, um, Bishop McCarthy has sort of uh, continually sort of had drought appeals and been visiting them occasionally and uh, we're going to the far west of the of the diocese which is Baduri which is um, between Birdsville and Bullia um, on that line there so um, it'll be good to catch up with them. All right Father Matthew uh, enjoy the Baduri races uh, it'll be it'll be just as good as being at the cup I reckon. It will be, and um, just wanted to shout out to all the people who've been supporting um, the people. That, a lady from the Capricorn Coast there, where I am at the moment there, she said there's people from uh, Perth who've been sending hay all the way across the Nullarbor and uh, for people that are heading out to Charleville today. And um, so there's people from all over Australia uh, helping the people who are suffering and um, 
uh, every little bit counts and I uh, just want to thank you for, for your support for the people um, on the farms and who are struggling as well. There's always been great support from people from Western Australia. You know, going back, I remember about 10 years ago, they just, uh, they just jump on and help, which is really, really mighty and very, uh, very uh, heartfelt and um, welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, just, just people's presence when they do go out and visit them. Um, like one of the great things too, a lot of people are, are visiting and travelling, uh, tourists travelling out in the West just to sort of be part of... Um, uh, people's lives out there, and and uh, so that's 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 a great thing. And and when people just go out and sort of support people in those little country towns, um, the people in the towns are certainly suffering as well. And um, uh, but their support and from from all over Australia is, is, has been a mar- uh, marvellous thing. Good on you, Father Matthew. Great to talk. Good luck, and uh, yeah, travel safe. Thanks very much, Macca, and uh, take care. God bless. G'day, this is Macca. Ian. Yeah. Susan Chuck, hello, how are you? Oh, Susan Chuck, how are you, Susan? Yeah, I'm terrific, thanks, Macca. Wonderful, I'm in Canberra. Mm. Most stunning day, which Canberra doesn't often turn on. Um, and uh, just having brekkie at the National Library. But I just wanted to let you know, I was invited down here this weekend for the uh, thank you weekend to the amazing women um, who are volunteers making Aussie Zero quilts and laundry bags for the veterans uh, serving um, Air Force, Navy and Army personnel and for the families of, oh, you know, the fallen, um, those suffering PTSD. And it has just been an incredible weekend of a thanks to them extended by the military. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Aussie Hero Cook. I have. I have. And last night they were saying they've nearly reached, by the end of this year they will have made 10,000 quilts since 2011 Gee. and 20,000 laundry bags that have been sent into, you know, conflict zones and to families and um, veterans all around Australia. And it's just an amazing achievement. Yeah, and, and we had a call from Meredith earlier about the poppies in Canberra, 62,000 poppies. Oh, yes, well, it was the first time I had seen them. I haven't been down here since 15. Absolutely Stunning the poppies, yeah. and 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 made by thousands and thousands of, mm-hmm. of of people, mostly women, but all over Australia. Yep, yeah. And they be- and they started doing it. I think in two thousand and fifteen. I think they started yes, doing they did. it. I think for the uh, last year they were completed for and the celebrations then. But yeah, just uh, what is what Brenda Nelson's done at the War Memorial oh. is. <laughs> Amazing, you know. Well, he, he was sort of born to it, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, he was. I, I was reading something the other day, uh, not the other day, m- months ago, years ago, about sometimes people um, never find their right job in life, and sometimes people do. And and I reckon, you know, he's a talented bloke and could have done lots of things, and and uh, but he seems to have just found his. I it's don't know. Not a- it's not a job; it's a passion. Yeah, and he's, mm. he, he just seems to have grown the job, grown into the job, and just loves it. And yeah, you know, you can. And as I say, talented people can do all sorts of things. And he could be, but he just he just seems to have been born to it. You know. Oh, he has. It's like Don yeah. Bradman was born to cricket, and you know, 
Reg Gasney was born to footy and, you know. Pilot was made to run. <laughs> yeah, and Winks was made to run. And, yeah, oh, my God, and that horse. was yeah. made to play football. But, you know, uh, anyway, it's just interesting. So it's it's the the, the whole – but we're looking for – we're going down there next uh, Sunday for the – Well, I hope they turn the weather's as beautiful as it is at the moment. It's just stunning, yeah. Next weekend, Macro, if I can just briefly mention um, – I keep building war memorials, but um, I'm involved now with a group in Brisbane of boys um, to build a memorial to the fallen and all the boys with PTSD that have taken their lives, which has nearly reached 400, unfortunately. Uh, We're building a a memorial in Brisbane at the site of the Christchurch, Christchurch, historic Christchurch, right next door to Suncorp Stadium. And this year we're having our third 42-hour challenge. We call it the Stomp where we walk for 42 hours, starting off carrying 42 kilos, and each hour is dedicated to one of our fallen boys and the 42nd hour to all of those that have taken their lives. So we start on Friday afternoon. We've got several corporate teams uh, walking with the the boys and uh, finishing up at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and culminating with a... A uh, well, an armistice celebration. And did you uh, say that's at Suncorp? It's we're at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, we've been. This is the third year, but this one's going to be a big one, and it's a, a massive fundraising effort for Forty Two for Forty Two to build this lovely memorial garden memorial at uh, the church right right up against the wall of Suncorp Stadium. Yeah. All right, Susan. And we've got a big family day on Saturday there. We're going to have Bushmasters and military displays, um, CPR demonstrations and training, games for kids, music, food. We would love any of the people around Brisbane to come and join us and encourage these people that are going to be walking for the 42 hours. Um, Open invitation, no cost. Um, Maybe donations if they'd like to contribute to our, our fundraising fund or they can go on our website. Um, 42442, that's 42FOR42.org.au, and they can find out more info. Good on you, Susan. Nice to talk. Okay, lovely, Becca. Thank you so much, and uh, have a good day. Good luck. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.